What's your thesis? It's quarter to eight. It's quarter to eight in the morning and it doesn't make any sense. Daylight should have come two hours ago. Well, in between reassuring people that this was not an interplanetary invasion, nor the end of the world, I placed a call at the state capital. Is it black there? It appears that across the face of the entire Earth, we are the only ones groping in darkness. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. Hey guys, it's Terry here. And I hope you uh, all enjoyed our conversation about the masks. I hope that you made it to midnight and, and that your uh, your puffy face uh, is a good one. I don't know. Like, and, <laughs> and all your foes have met their fate. Their fate. Yeah, I just I wonder. It's like if like what if you bought three of those masks, but then you messed up and like you didn't have enough to buy a fourth one, and you're like, well, here's this like here's like a Ninja Turtles mask that I have left over. Like what would happen? Like that would be just dis- disturbing to have a human face like a Ninja Turtle. As long as it's Donatello, it's fine. Yeah, but you would I mean, I guess, I, guess, I mean, sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Donatello's lame. Yeah, face it, people. He's no, lame. I like Donatello. What? I, like what? Get He's the here. smart one. Um, He's lame. <laughs> Why, why is he lame? For Guys, I'm sorry. This is a Twilight Zone podcast. We were watching the Twilight Zone in order, but Terry has a hot take here. Why is Donatello lame? Because he's not cool. And he- <laughs> he's not cool. He's <laughs> lame because he's not cool. You guys have heard it here first. That's that's a hot take going into this uh, very it, charged in episode. In order, we go Michelangelo, Raphael, Leonardo, Donatello. Okay. Donatello is lame. But see, I, I think that you, you rank leadership... And like creativity lower than you do, you know, uh, partying and personal vengeance. It's almost like, I feel like you just like, I feel like the Ninja Turtles way you laid it out. It's one of those personality tests. Like, it's like if the what order that you pick them, it's like, oh, you're more of a Michelangelo. And it's like, I'm more of a Donatello. Dude. Maybe we should work together on work projects. I'll, I'll wear it on my sleeve, man. Michelangelo party all the time. <laughs> All right. Well, either okay. Anyway, so hope you enjoyed the discussion about the masks and how Terry's wrong about uh, Michelangelo. <laughs> uh, this episode we're going to get into is uh, season five, episode twenty-five. I am the knight. Color me black. Uh, Tucking everybody. This is going to be one of those uh, uh, wordy, serious uh, Sterling episodes. I mean, rightfully so. And uh, and another one that um, uh, it's it's aged too well. I don't I don't like this. <laughs> You know, like it's the message is getting louder, you know, every, you know, so we'll see when we talk about the episode, but whew. yeah, there's, there's a lot to unpack in this episode. Yeah, for sure. So let's get in some day and date here. Uh, air date was March 27th, 1964. Number one film, the pink Panther, number one song. It's a new one. It's she loves you by the Beatles. So we still have the Beatles. It's just a different Beatles. Yeah. Song, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and also for, they have two things that happened day and date here on the 27th. Uh, which is the air date of this episode at 5:36 in the afternoon on Good Friday, the Great Alaskan Earthquake, recorded between uh, 8.6 and 9.2 on the Richter scale, struck Anchorage. Um, the tremor, the most powerful earthquake in the United States and the second most powerful in recorded history, which I believe the San Francisco earthquake that happened like at the turn of the century, 86 or something like. Well, no, no, no the one in like 1900s eight, that yeah. flattened San Francisco was like the big one until then. This killed 131 people and sent waves that uh, struck the coasts of Alaska, British Columbia, Washington, Oregon, and California, as well as forcing the call for 300,000 residents of Hawaii to evacuate. Like, it's not often when something happens in Alaska that affects Hawaii. I I mean, you know, I I don't think they're that close of neighbors. Uh, 24 dock workers unloading a ship were killed when the dock was pulled underwater. Uh, so deemed unsafe, the entire town was moved uh, four miles away. Uh, there is, be- 
what happened when, when this occurred and there's something happens the next day. That's also tragic. Um, the military wanted to come in and start uh, dictating like disaster relief with this, but they couldn't get there and because t- it's you know it's Alaska and it's like you know earthquake well, and all kind this of stuff. remote yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah. So what happens by the time they got there, like all the townspeople were helping each other, and so that when they talk about like the 131 people killed, that was because of local efforts like mitigating damages, and because of this, this actually started changing about like because. There's this whole notion of like whenever there's a disaster, like you want like the government and the military to be in charge. It's like that may not always be the 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 best way to approach a situation when there's people. It's just it, it started making people think um, like socially how to approach disasters differently and how the 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 people you know at Anchorage actually helped each other a great deal and mitigated a lot of the damage just by like coordinating together and talking and not like handing it over to the government. So that that's interesting. Uh, what's sad uh, is that the next day uh, at 12.09 a.m., so shortly after this happened, uh, that the wave caused by the earthquake sent a five-foot high wall of water across a small town of Crescent City, California, 1,400 miles uh, from the epicenter and striking six hours after Anchorage had been struck. Eleven people drowned when the water swept uh, four blocks in from the coast. I can't imagine any of this. Like, that's crazy. Like, I just can't. All of this is terrifying to me in, in general because, you know, like you, you hear about an earthquake in certain like certain parts of the world, but you don't think about the aftershocks of it, like uh, like a typhoon that's coming a twelve hundred miles away. The, the fact that this thing hit so hard that it caused uh, problems in Hawaii, that's just that's magnificent. Like, that's crazy to me. And then also that the six hours later, as people were sleeping, this like wall of water just came up like unannounced you know in california from you know an earthquake in alaska and and again at this magnitude like there have been uh earthquakes within recent uh, like years that have been at lower uh ratings that have killed greater numbers of people yeah there was that one that happened in mexico city a couple years ago that collapsed so much and it's like that's yeah, I mean, not that I'm saying earthquakes are never going to not happen. I mean, especially it keeps happening more and more in the United States because, you know, uh, things they're doing. Like, I don't know why Ohio and, like, Kansas and everything are having earthquakes, but it's occurring. But this was the natural ones, not the, you know, the the gas-related ones. It's still scary, though. Like, that's this is the stuff It's like, you know, especially living on a fault line, not that we are, but, you know, you know there's always the potential. But you're you're never truly prepared for the moment it happens and this kind of like brings into mind that like engineers should go around the in the world and like kind of school people on how to make well, a, structures it, a little bit more prone to these kind of if, situations if engineers went around the world they'd be like you're living on a fault line you're going to move you need to move right now and, and like in most california be like we don't want to it's like this is not safe they're like yeah but you can see the beach you well, know <laughs> like um, so I, I think it's also important to shine a light on like the the good the goodwill and the help of everybody in the town like i mentioned previously because this happened the same night this episode aired and it, it, it's a very uh stark parallel to what the story is about so uh but yeah that's what i had for for day and date um Unless you had anything else, I mean, no, that was, no, that, was a pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was a major point that I, yeah. I brought, uh, would have brought to the pit table as well. Yeah, so let's get into our cast and crew here. All right, so uh, first of all, here we are. Uh, I'm sorry, I got my notes here mixed up. Oop. Written uh, by Rod Serling. Yeah, so yeah, written by Rod. He's uh, back at it again uh, behind uh, the writer's table. Uh, but our director here is uh, Abner uh Biberham? Bieberman. Bieberman. Yeah. yeah. Abby Biebs. The fourth episode that we've had of his. Abby. Um, so he's, uh, this is the last of four episodes of The Twilight Zone. He did The the Dummy, The Incredible World of Horace Ford. And uh, we just talked about him recently uh, with the number 12 looks just like you. Yeah. And I mean, for having four episodes uh, and coming out like uh, four, uh, three and one, you know, pretty good. Like I, I, you know, thank you, uh, Mr. Bieberman. You did a, you know, you you did more good than harm here in the Twilight Zone. And then since we've just talked to about talked about it more recently, uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, moving into our cast here, we have Michael Constantine, uh, Sheriff Charlie Coach. Uh, he plays. Uh, well, he's the sheriff. Yeah. He was yeah, he was the sheriff. Um, he was also in Hustler. Uh, he was in the he was in Thinner. Yeah, I, I saw adaptation. that. Tad Zulimke. Uh, he was one of the um, 
Uh, he was a. Oh, I hate that. Th- this sounds really shitty, but uh, he was the gypsy. They're described as gypsies in the book. Yeah. I, I just I, like I, I don't know if they're Romani. You, you can't dance around it because um, I, are they Romani? Because I know there's different like tribal peoples, right? Well, like, yeah. No, no, no insult to anybody, but that's like the main description. I, I, I I'm sorry if I had insulted anybody, but that's the main description in the book. Um, they were gypsies that came in with their little traveling circus, essentially. Something, yeah. Yeah. And then he had a, a cancer on his nose. And so he puts the curse on the main character. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thinner. Yeah. And so outside of that, 113 episodes of Room 222. Yeah. Well, so um, what else do I have here? You, But you mentioned uh, The Hustler, which like I... I still need to see that. That's with Paul Newman. It's a it's a movie about uh, pool hustling. Yeah, I've, I saw the I've seen The Color of Money. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Um, and then also he, uh, uh, Michael Constantine, was the father in uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Um, I've not seen either one of those movies, but I know that those are quite popular. And there was a series that was the, a, it was like they, they tried episodes. rushing it to like series, and he was in that. Uh, and uh, yeah, and he was also because um, he's the guy that could clean everything with Windex. If I remember from what people talked about, I've like again. I wish it was that easy. Yeah, uh, and he was in an episode of Friday Thirteenth, the series, and Night Gallery. Yeah, uh, I again, uh, if anybody has uh, some notes on uh, Friday Thirteenth, the series. We are waiting for you to reach out to us. <laughs> yeah, I like how this is like a telethon. It's like, listen, if we can just get $5, we will cover an episode of Friday 13th, the series. But that's how much it would take to actually cost to produce that episode. No. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, easily. Um, so, uh, Paul Fix is our next up, uh, next uh, character in this. Uh, he plays a newspaper editor, Copley. Um, he was in the To Kill a Mockingbird and an episode of Playhouse 90. But his major uh, attribute here is that 151 episodes of The Rifleman. Yeah, he did a lot of Westerns. So I do like I, there's two bits of trivia here I like with him is uh, following uh, the United States entry to World War One uh, in April uh, 17. He joined the National Guard, initially serving in New York. After three months of duty there, he went AWOL and enlisted in the U.S. Army. After serving um, for three months there, he again went AWOL and then enlisted in the U.S. Navy. So cool. I guess it's just like he wanted to serve, but couldn't find the right branch. And then somehow being a wall twice was like, well, you joined somewhere, I guess. Uh, and I, I lied. I got uh, three pieces of trivia. He's John Wayne's acting coach. That's why he ends up in a lot of Westerns. And then also he played Dr. Mark Piper, uh, Leonard McCoy's predecessor in the second pilot episode of star Trek, um, where, where no man's gone before and his character, uh, was in the pilot, but was not included in the episode that was shot. So like since Star Trek had two pilots, there was that in um, the cage uh, that they shot. Like it's it just, anyway, they, they reshot the, the, the pilot and he was in that, but then they cut it. So he was originally going to be, you know, in Star Trek for a second. Nice. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I, he I, probably went AWOL was probably what happened. The episode they're like, listen, he left the Like he left all this. He's left the Federation. Now he went AWOL. Uh, like, <laughs> Paul Fix had a, a stellar career, apparently. Yeah. Um, uh, next, though, we're here as uh, George Lindsay. Uh, he plays Deputy Pierce. Uh, Eighty-six episodes of Andy Griffith's show. Ugh, yeah, uh, yeah. He had a he had a career uh, outside of that on a different uh, like branch off show, but. Instead, I'm, I noted here that it was a Cannibal Run 2 <laughs> and uh, three episodes of Alfred Hitchcock hours. So I'm not trying to like giving a disgusting side about the, um, you know, the Andy Griffith show, because there's there's a lot of good to be had there. Um, there, there, you know, there's some actually there, there's some segments in there about like uh, like law and being kind to people that are still very they resonate very well now. However, what I, what I was saying ugh, about is that this gentleman, it's a living played a goober pile uh, who was the cousin of Gomer pile who eventually got his own spinoff. Uh, and so he played goober pile. And if you look, if you watch this episode, you just want to be like, that guy is a goober. Like I wanted, I wanted to punch George Lindsay in the face the entire time. Um, but it's like you, you, he, he was known as goober. So he did that. Uh, whenever um, Andy Griffith left uh, the show, that became Mayberry RFD. So he went on and goober stayed with that. And then he ended up playing goober and hee haw for quite a long time. And supposedly the rumor is, is that he was a uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy's, not Leonard Nimoy, sorry, um, Gene Roddenberry's first choice to play Spock. And he declined. 
Good. And, and so, but <laughs> but like uh, Leonard Nimoy said the comment kind of snarkily, and everyone's like, "Well, maybe was he making a joke?" And then uh, I'll say, "Was it uh, James Doohan actually mentioned it in passing about it too?" So there's some collaboration that maybe there could have been, you know, a goober as a Spock. I don't know. Just thank goodness. I'm glad he whew, dodged for, a bullet for real. Um, and next here we have Ivan Dixon. Uh, Dixon. Uh, sorry, uh, Reverend Anderson. Uh, one episode of the Twilight Zone prior, uh, the Big Tall Wish, mm-hmm. um, but uh, we, so I mean, I, that's this a great is, episode. Your, like yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, I will have, I, I, I think it's a wonderful episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little bit of mirroring here. Um, he has a great stance in this episode, and I, I love his. Like he has such a small presence in this episode, but I love him as a character in this episode. Yeah, I mean he comes in like in the third act, but like he, but then he, you're just drawn to him, right? And, and um, yeah, so like, and I know this is your first time seeing him in the series because like the Big Tall Wishes season one, right? Well, I, I saw so, that one. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, okay, good. But I don't know how much information you had about him because I, I, I did some refresher notes. Uh, the guy had a big uh, TV directing career. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually directed uh, Trouble Man, the black exploitation film for 72, which I still need to see. I have not. Uh, it's, it, people say it isn't like the best, but they say the soundtrack's amazing. So I definitely want to watch this movie. Um, and then he also directed an episode of Quantum Leap. 13 episodes of Magnum uh, PI, uh, and that's what I got here. But he did a lot of TV like directing. Dude, I, I, I really want to explore a hell of a lot more of his career, especially in his directorial um, presence. Uh, he did six episodes of Greatest American Hero, so <laughs> <laughs> I have to bring that up. But in his acting career, he had a lot of notes, too. Um, 142 episodes of Hogan's Heroes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're. Yeah. So, I mean, we would be remiss to mention that. Like, uh, Ivan Dixon, uh, love what you have brought to this episode. I uh, can't wait to explore everything else you have done. Yeah, we're uh, we're not going to cover every episode of Hogan's, Hogan's Heroes in order. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're changing formats. Yeah. Um, Hogan. So, <laughs> all right, yeah. Anyway, so uh, next here we have Eve McVale. McVeigh. Yeah, um, I think it's Big Bay. Okay. Um, Ella Coach, uh, she plays, uh, well, she plays Ellen Coach. Yeah. Um, uh, she was she was born in Cincinnati. So, yeah. uh, to, you know, Ohio. Uh, we're Could born, I- we are, well, we are in Ohio. Uh, <laughs> I was born in Ohio. Yeah, so, yeah, I got to reach out to the, all my I, Ohioans. Yeah, yeah to, go I go Ohio. Pass the Ohio test to get in or something. I don't know. So I, there isn't, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> So uh, she did one episode of uh, Twilight Zone prior, uh, Kick the Can. Yeah, and she was in uh, High Noon, uh, and then also uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Yeah, two. two uh, well, two Alfred Hitchcock hours, oh. well, my notes. Uh, but, but but you're she, probably right, because I, I, I always I always get the two confused, because Presents is the half hour, and then the hour is the hour, right? Because there's two separate programs. Yeah, yeah. and then she played a bit role in uh, King Kong, the, like, what, 78 version? Okay, that makes sense. And then... Uh, an episode of Knight Rider. So, hell yeah, Knight Rider. Um, next here we have uh, Terry Becker. He plays Jagger. Uh, 71, episode, 71 episodes of Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea and Hawaiian Eye. Yeah, he also directed 1974's The Thirsty Dead. I'm going to read the synopsis here to, to you, Terry, and you're going to tell me we're going to watch this movie. <laughs> Beautiful young girls are kidnapped off the streets of Manila by a death cult that needs their blood to remain immortal. That that yeah. All Sold. right, there you go. All right, so that's right after Devil's Reign, right? Yeah, that's I'm sure. Why not? Let's just knock them down. Hell's yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, next here we have uh, Michael Jeffrey or Jeffers. Um, he was he played deputy. Uh, one other episode of Twilight Zone, a world of difference. Yeah. Just, what, uh, what, which, what what was this episode again? What the world difference? Yeah, I believe that's the one Couldn't where it's, it's the actor uh, on on set, and then he uh, well, actually, it's a guy like going about his day, and he and he realizes he's on a movie set. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's confusing himself. Like people believe he's confusing himself with the character, but he's like, no, I have a wife and I have a kid, and he, uh, yeah, the whole thing. I don't know if he played a major role in that, but he was in that episode. Yeah, and uh, so I started noting like number of credits some of these other people were in. Uh, some, some of these other people were in some of these some of the other numbers of credits because like. I always feel like we kind of gloss over some people's work. Like for him, uh, he was like, he had 298 credits. So, you know, he was uh, in Kill a Mockingbird. And yeah. 63 episodes of uh, 
uh, bonanza. So like big, yeah, big so, stuff. I mean, these people put their time in. So I always feel like we'd be like, yeah, I don't know. Him. We can move on. The know? guy. Yeah. So who else do we have? Do you have anybody else here? I That was it for my notes. Okay. So I have um, a Douglas Bank as man. He was previously in What's in the Box. Uh, and then I have Elizabeth Harrower as woman. She was in True Grit and Hawaiian Eye. So another Hawaiian Eye connection. Um, and then uh, Charles Maxwell, radio announcer. He was in Westinghouse, Westing, Westinghouse Desi Lou Playhouse. Sorry. And then um, favorite of the show, Robert McCord as Townsman. Number 30 of 32 appearances in the Twilight Zone. So we are quickly running up, up to the end of the McCord era of the Twilight Zone. I have failed you, my my friend. Oh, uh, what, with the Robin McCords? Yes. Uh, well, uh, I've, done, like, it. I've is, done it again. Is it like a Catholic punishment? It's like, no, it's like, I go go um, and uh, go and say three Hail Marys and five, and, and five Robert McCords. You know, whatever. Anyway. Cat and nine to the back. <laughs> yeah. Um, Smoke an entire pack of a waste of cigarettes and have five <laughs> Five Robert McCords. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, well, yeah. <laughs> and then, and your then attention fall, to and detail. Then, and then fall out of a window. That's that's what you have to do. Um, so um, all right. Uh, I know we've been having some laughs here, but let's just get let's just get into I am the night, color be black, let uh, Mr. Sterling take it away. Sheriff Charlie Kutch on the morning of an execution. As a matter of fact, it's seven thirty in the morning. Logic and natural laws dictate that at this hour there should be daylight. It is a simple rule of physical science that the sun should rise at a certain moment and supersede the darkness. But at this given moment, Sheriff Charlie Koch, a deputy named Pierce, a condemned man named Jagger, and a small inconsequential village will shortly find out that there are causes and effects that have no precedent, such is usually the case in the Twilight Zone. All right, so um, let's yeah, let's get into this one. This is uh, heavy, you know, because it starts off with uh, the wife Ella like uh, waking up, like wondering what time it is because it's pitch black outside. Uh, Charlie, her husband, who is the the sheriff, he's sheriff, right? That's that's his, yeah. yeah, sheriff Charlie, uh, coach, policeman. Uh, so he's like, oh, he's like, just it must be early still. He's like, my watch is not working right, whatever. But he's already up. No matter what, like he, even though he knows he knows what time it is, he's up because he's not looking forward to what has to happen today. And and his wife is uh, kind of flip about like uh, what's going on, saying, "Well, why are you up?" Like the excitement was yesterday. It's like what time? What time are we stringing him up today or whatever? Like she's being very dismissive of, you know, there's going to be an, a public execution in their town. Well, and she seems somewhat just like apprehensive, like in the fact that. A human life is about to be like given to sacrifice here. She's like, "Oh, what time is he going to be hanged?" Yeah. When, what time is the hanging? Yeah, like she seems just very just like, Ugh, okay, great, dismissive and, almost. I was like, yeah, what, what, dude? You mean the guy who's going to be executed? And that's what, and that's what Charlie is like. Basically, he's just bothered. He's like, you know, she's using all these other terms. He's like, you know, he's basically like a man's going to die today. Yes. And it's like, and also make sure his breakfast is ready, you know, an hour before. And then she's like, well, how does he like his eggs? And then he's edible. He's like edible. It's like, yeah, don't like, like basically be like, Hey, don't be a dick. Like (laughs) I'll I'll just put this out here. Both of them are assholes. Like the, the the way that they both approach us. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, coach knows what he has to do. And the fact that he just needs to get something done, like it, it's like his duty, like make him edible. Like I don't know that I don't think that was the right way to treat a human being. That's I mean I think you're right. Like nobody in this comes out clean, right? And I think that's like spoiler. That's going to be the point of this. But right. um, I think also for him being like. You know, when she's like, well, how does he like his eggs? It's like, he's just like, you know, I have so many other big things to worry about. Like, you know, like killing a man, make them edible. Like, I almost feel like just like, you know, the, 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 the modicum of kindness of like giving him, please give the man edible food before we wring his neck, you know, like, so I think you're right. But at the same time, it's like, I could see how that <laughs> it feels like an answer I would give, like where it's like, I, you, do you, under, do you know what I have to do today? <laughs> like, it just. Ugh. All right. Anyway, I'm not trying to make light of this, but yeah, that would have been like, uh, like it's, it's like going to Denny's at midnight. Like, how do you like your eggs edible? Um, you know, any hope for the best anyway. So, so, um, 
coach Charlie coach goes to to work and he he's doing his routine and he's sitting there and his deputy is like what 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 do you ex- uh, explain of this? I was like, well, what do you explain of what deputy? Yeah, like, I just deputy Pierce is just a shit heel that looks like he always has a pinch of tobacco in his lip. Like I just want to. He looks like it's like chaw. Like I just I expected him to bring out the like the like the Pepsi bottle and just like or whatever. Just, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put some skull in, you know, and then just like a, <laughs> premium <laughs> skull. Yeah, premium skull. Gotta get that dip in, right? And but he's just like, ah, it's like, what's what do you think's going on? It's like it's dark outside. I'm a sheriff. I have no idea. Like you know, like I'm I'm not like you know uh, sheriff scientist. But yeah, so they're talking about this. Colby comes in. And Colby, who is an editor um, of a paper, but not his own speeches, uh, you know, like I just got it. Like, I think the actor's great. I think Shirley writes great dialogue, but it's like, my God, like Colby, like, do you, do you not have friends? Do you just like go around practicing like monologues to deliver? Whew. Well, but not like the monologue that he's giving doesn't, he's not expecting anybody to like, react to it either yeah i mean like i don't know like that's not the right writing for this he he's trying to entice somebody to conversation and i don't get that from this monologue yeah i mean he's like you get the notion that like um you know he confirms that like with the capital that they're the only um area in this the state that's covered in darkness and he has some other, you know, purple pros for that as well. But then you get, you quickly find out that Colby and Pierce don't like each other. Uh, and then I wrote in my note, no one should like Pierce anyway. So <laughs> regardless of what's going on. Uh, and this is, um, this is when the things start kind of unfolding because the three men in this room all know something. And it's like, it's, and Colby's finally the one starting to say the quiet part loud. And that's starting to kind of set the things in motion of like, he says to, um, you know, he says to, to, to Charlie, he's like, you know, let me ask you a question. He's like, you know, is he innocent? It's like that starts unraveling this whole thing of like, you're asking this now, like an hour before his execution, but you come in here fully aware of what you know. And you're asking, it's just, it's just one of those things where it's just, is this, is this the right time? Is it too little too late now? But he's aware of what what Pierce knows. He's aware of what Charlie knows. And he starts asking these questions out loud finally. Right. I mean, you know, the deadline is already there. What is Colby getting out of this? I I think think he's trying to get some, um, and not not forgiveness, but to, to say that like, hey, I spoke up. But it's like, yeah, an hour before... You know, like in, we find out later that everybody turned a blind eye to what was going on. Uh, but it's like, it's almost that thing of like, well, I told them, you know, like there's that weird, uh, I don't know if that's the way Sterling was writing this, but there's that still that weird, like, well, I, I won't have to accept blame if I, if I told people, Hey, don't do that. As opposed to using my position when I had the ability to do so, to question this, you know, this, this, uh, miscarriage of justice. Right, you know, so, so that's what that's what I think anyway. So or Kobe, or Kobe, or how I think it's Kobe. Yeah, um, like he exploits the fact that Pierce knows a hell of a lot more than what he was on uh, the stand for. Uh, he perjured himself. Yeah, like this is explained in this whole sequence right now. Like, and you know, Pierce is just kind of sitting back for a second, waiting for that right moment to be like you don't know what I saw and you know like but everybody was there there's Spit. evidence and then put more more red man in you know <laughs> right but you you don't know me but it's like there there is plenty of evidence especially when it comes to powder burns and like there I mean we're not in a stone age here this so, is so 64 yeah. there is evidence um uh we got coach there's- that could explain evidence too. Mm-hmm. And turned a blind eye, or at least that's where we're at. Right so now. what we what we're talking about here, and if people have not watched the episode, is that uh, Jagger's the man that's going to be sentenced to killed uh, to die, and uh, he we find out later, and this is you know might as well just say it that he killed a clan member um, that was harassing uh, uh, somebody in the community of color, and he just like shot him, and Pierce witnessed it. Uh, and says that um, it was just outright murder as opposed to self-defense. 
uh, because they found powder burns on the hands of the of the white knight. Um, and then also, since Pierce witnessed it and then, you know, and doesn't acknowledge what happened, uh, the sheriff turned a blind eye to the physical evidence of the powder burns. And um, Colby, reporting on all of this, ignored, um, you know, basically didn't comment directly on Pierce lying and also didn't comment directly on the physical evidence. So they all three um, have led directly to this man being um, executed. Well, I mean, he still could have been executed for killing a person, but the, 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 um, you know, they, 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 they tipped the scale so hard that there was no way this guy was not going to be sentenced to die. Right. And in a small town, like, yeah, a lot of advances have been made as far as, uh, like, uh, judicial systems and that, and how people can be found guilty by their peers and all that. Like we're talking about the sixties. This is a different town. This is a different era. And this this man has been put to death. Yeah, at the well, gallows. Yeah, which I don't I don't know when um like public hangings were outlawed because clearly this is not this is written in the modern day. This isn't. Like, Do we know what state this is even in? Uh, no, he keeps it vague. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, at the very the very best, we can assume that this is in one of those areas uh, that hasn't reformed their uh, or execution system. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of what we understand now with like the death penalty and that stuff started coming about later, and then that started being challenged. But also, the idea of public executions, I think, did did go away shortly after this. But I still think it was an option. I didn't do the research for that. Um, I did. There is something I'll talk about later. You, you were talking about miscarriage of justice. We'll get into something that's just horrifying that happened uh, like ten years before this. So we'll talk about that later. All like, right, st- stay tuned, everybody. It only gets happier from here. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, next, Copley he uh, finally goes into to talk to uh, Jagger about about the instances and uh, maybe possible guilt here. Um, so he, he talks to him, tries to cope with him about like maybe you know confessing all that stuff, uh, talking about guilt, talking about confessions, and he says. That like he is he's fine with everything that he did. He doesn't he doesn't need to confess to people. Um, he doesn't need to justify his actions. And I, I think that's a very big tell here. Yeah. I mean, his character, uh, uh, Jagger's character is really interesting because like he is frustrated, obviously, because, you know, he's about to die. And um, and, and then uh, you got Colby trying to like say so. He's like, well, I think every per- every person's entitled to make a statement. He's like, well, so nice of you to say that to me because, you know, you're going to be around later today. I'm not like there, there's that whole bit. There's not a like, noose around your neck. Yeah. And um, so uh, but when he says, you know, I guess I was the crazy one to be like to have notions and to have like basically saying, I know I was the outsider here because I was champion causes and, you know, like trying to fight for the little man. I'm, I'm paraphrasing everything he's saying, but he's like, I guess I'm, because I am guilty of being the one that was going to go and do this stuff, you know, but he doesn't have to confess. Like he's, he's conflicted too, because we find out that he's also like not completely like without sin as well. Like this whole thing's kind of muddy. It is. Which and I think it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. And Like, that was a confusing part for me as well. Like, Jagger seems like a f- confusing character because I want him to be the champion of this. And um, I kind of spoiler, I'm not sure if I feel that way. Either. Oh, no, I think his I think his statement later to the Reverend uh, clears that up, like in terms of how you're supposed to, like, feel about him as and, well. And again, if you have not seen this episode... And you have not seen the like the the outro, all that all that dialogue at the end. Please stop. Yeah, there there is a lot to tell from this point forward about the character development and and who Jagger is and like how you should feel honestly as you like as a person as your view on the outside world. There's something really to like unfold from. Jaggers. Yeah, I, this is one of this is one of the big like I'll put the air quotes around big important Twilight Zone episodes that you should watch. Like, there's a lot to go into this. Um, uh, but I just want to just my my one um one joke I'm going to make before we go into like the, the 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 darkness that is the rest of this episode. No pun intended. I guess pun intended is that the other title of this episode could have been called "I Am the Sweat, Color Me Damp," because there just everybody in this episode is just sweating, just 
pouring down. Like it is uncomfortably sweaty for everybody here. Well, you know, and that's not too far fetched from what guilt should be like, too. I, I guess. I mean, but it's just like I can't. Like I, it's probably all spray on stuff because this was shot on a set. But like I put my mind there, I'm like, oh man, I, I don't want to smell any of this. Like, yeah. Ugh. Uh, anyway, sorry. yeah. No, like when I think about sweating, putting in the putting a hot box, put <laughs> under the lamps. People should sweat it out. Like people should feel something. That's what I feel from this episode. Yeah, but like Kobe's sweating, Pierce is sweating, like the yeah. Reverend's sweating. Like I'm pretty sure those cars in the background were sweating. You know. Anyway. So, um, so we got the Reverend, and he's trying to he's trying to feel something. He's trying to get some kind of like emotion yeah. from Jagger. Well, before so we move from the jail cell where we had Colby talking to Jagger. Then we get to the outside where we see um, the gallows and the okay. noose being set up, which is like just considering that we had just seen you know an occurrence at Al Creek Bridge. It's like that's like uh too soon for the for the nooses. I don't know. This is uh you know, um, but. Like them setting up, and the, but the seeing the townspeople showing up and seeing that dust and dirt blow through, which I was reading some of the trivia that this was a soundstage and they kept like scattering dirt all over. And I'm like, uh, and people had to wear masks in between takes because there's so much dirt flying around. That looked really creepy and ominous to me. I like that shot. And that like people sitting on their cars and everything. Like, I'm surprised there wasn't a picnic basket out there. D- 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 it sucked. It yeah. sucked to see people like this because I can imagine it today. Yep. And you like, I don't know how, how much people have really evolved, honestly. Oh, I th- again, I, that's what I'm saying. This episode is uh, aged uh, terribly in terms of like, it's, it's getting louder and louder. Um, everybody has to rubberneck, right? Everybody has to rubberneck. Everybody has to make their, get their pound of flesh. Like, and yeah, like this is, this is the, you know, that's what this is saying. But anyway, people people are showing up for this. And then that's whenever um, uh, Colby talks to the Reverend about what was going on. And, and the Reverend's like, well, he wouldn't see me. And it's like, you know, and, and Colby's like, well, Jagger's a very lonely man. Like, I, there, there was a lot of good dialogue there between the two of them. Um, I did like how, like, when Colby starts talking to the Reverend, that's when you first see him. Like, he's not in the scene until he should. It's, like, it's almost like the Reverend's right there, like, to the left. I'm like... How long have you been there? <laughs> but anyway, sorry. It was and, just a weird, it was a weird transition. And I, I like how Colby asks for uh, like a theological explanation for this. Yeah, for the like, darkness. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah. And then it's like, well, I mean, he is not the man to talk to, but I mean, I guess he is a, a man of God. But how do you explain away the, the, the occurrences? Like. Yeah, but even like again, you get Colby is saying, "Well, if you, if you could, people could uh, like write this up as like spiritual, then maybe we could figure a way out of it." It's like you're like, are you just saying that you want people to hang their hat on something so that way we have an explanation for what's going on? That way, again, to absolve ourselves because this is out of our control. We we didn't cause this. Like Colby likes like I, I guess now talking to you about it, he likes passing the buck a little bit, even though he owns part of it. Like. It's weird because there's the whole thing, too, where uh, Koch says, you know, um, oh, what was it? Uh, you know, who or what is going to tend to us? Like, you know, like you just you get all of these people like like know that they're they're complicit, but they still are looking for that. Like, can we please not do this? Well, there is. Or, or can we please get out? Can we please get away from being held accountable for this is what I'm well, saying. Some people are scared and they go directly to the cloth. And it's like that, that's not necessarily how it should be. Like you're looking for something more than that. You're yeah. looking for an explanation. Like, why is this going to happen? Like, and I, I don't know if Colby was exactly looking for that from the Reverend, but the darkness was his biggest concern. It's like, we shouldn't have to be, f- searching for that explanation at that point why should be we feel this way certain to this to this man who was trying to save another person yeah like that should have been the main concern what if like colby said to the referee he's like hey by the way um we didn't report all the details of this man uh you know what happened with this investigation um attorney private you know privilege privilege here like what could i do like here's the you, you know like tell me what's up and then it's like what if they all confess to the townspeople of like, Hey, you've come here for a hanging. Um, there's, there's some more you should need to know, you know? And 
like I, I almost feel like now I think about it like you know he had he, he still had the opportunity to to delay this to keep it keep it going as much as Pierce was going to get you know he wanted it done I think I I even think that uh you know Charlie would have like kind of waited for you know further instructions had this truth actually been spilled out in front of the townspeople which be to be fair it, you get the feeling that they all know this anyway right yeah and so I mean, not to give away much more, but we don't get an explanation why uh, the darkness is there, why Kobe or um, Jagger is being put at the at the hanging. You know, Anderson, uh, the Reverend Anderson doesn't have an explanation for it. Like, Mm -hmm. he's like, it is what it is, man. Like, you guys put him to death. What are we going to do here? So, um. I, mean, I I hate to jump the gun here, but we see that uh, Jagger is put to death. Like we see well, the hand. before that though, he, Anderson directly asks him, "Is like you know, did you did you enjoy shooting that man?" And he was like, "Yes, I did." And he was like, "Well, you're guilty then." And it's like Anderson is basically trying because like he's like you helped, uh, you know, a person of color. You helped one of us. It's like basically he's trying to say, like, did you do this out of like you know? Um, like your justice. Did you do this out? Cause you're protecting. And it's like, and you get the idea that Jagger was doing that too, but he sure as hell enjoyed shooting that Klansman. And because of that, because he had enjoyment, Anderson's like, well, then you're guilty as well. And it's like, I can't, I can't keep trying to give you solace and comfort because you did also commit this, like the sin in your heart, you know, versus like acting. Right. Cause he even says at one point, he's like, you even killed for us. Like, and that's, something that he's trying to like kind of trying to find a place for. Um, and then when Anderson turns around and tells the whole town, he's like, he's guilty, but basically he's like, you all are too, you know, like, what are you, like, what are you going to do? Like, you know, he shot a man and now he's going to die. Um, you, you know, like basically it's like, you all judged him guilty. And now he's going to die. Like we're, we're all, it's like, he doesn't say this, but he's like, we all have blood on our hands and what are we going to do about this? Um, and nothing. Cause he's just like, he's in despair. Um, they said something about what was it? Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, the uh, majority about yeah, about being the majority, and he's like, "Well, the minority must have died on a cross two thousand years ago." And it's like that's a hell of a line, you know? Oof. Yeah. So yeah. So they. The, so yeah. We are we are the minority. The majority died two thousand. Well, years no, he's ago. no the other way. He's like, I oh. think the minority died uh, two thousand years ago on a cross. Um. So he said the minority must have died on the cross two thousand uh, years yeah, ago. That's, that's what I'm it. saying. Yeah. Uh, cause even yet, you know, Jagger tosses out Anderson. He's like, it's important for you to get with the majority, isn't it? And he's like, well, he was like, yeah, like he said, yeah, he's not happy about it, but yeah. So, so yeah, uh, Jagger gets hung. Right. And then, you know, all is well in the world. Just kidding. It gets darker outside and darker, you know? And, uh, then we cut back to the, the sheriff's station and Pierce is like, it's going to clear up, you know, <laughs> you know whatever. He does, a fog. You know? It's yeah, going to clear. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. I, yeah. yeah. It's, it's It could happen. Yeah, I heard right? Mayberry's always sunshine. And I'm going to go there. Uh, but like he keeps trying to say it. But then like no one's like giving him any leeway. And um, and then that's when we get Colby, you know, kind of like saying, you know, that like, no, like, you know, um, it's it just the whole thing here is like we find out that like. It's getting darker. We don't know what's going to cure that. And that's when they turn on the radio, right? Uh, and that's when we find out like the big. All, all around the world. Different areas. Different events yeah. are still happening. Um, uh, what is it? The place in uh, Ar- Arlington? Yeah. He, uh, like they, they, they mentioned they mentioned this, like, the way that they phrased it was the street where Kennedy got shot. And then they mentioned a couple North, other areas. North Korea. Yeah. Like. Um, there, are, I mean, injustice. Ashtabula, around, Ohio. I'm kidding. I didn't. They didn't say that. Uh, injustice <laughs> around. <laughs> All the Pittsburgh was engulfed in blackness. Like this, <laughs> they okay. know what they did. All right. yeah. uh, injustice all around the world. Like all these different events, they don't name them by incident, but they talk about the different spots in the world. And it's like, really, what it's trying to make you think about is how dark is your heart and how you can try to avoid that darkness. Yeah. I mean, so Anderson says, I, I forgot to mention this. He's like, uh, do you know why it's dark or do you know what? Yeah. It's the hate. Uh, he felt hate. We all felt. So we had to vomit it out. You know, like it's like the, 
I almost feel like whatever, you know, judgment was going to be passed in the twilight zone. This was the, 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 like the litmus test. If they passed it, the darkness would go away. And then maybe we'd all be able to kind of, you know, figure ourselves out. They utterly failed. So it's like, well, this one's getting darker. Now other areas are opening up. It's like, uh, it's almost like, um, to, to quote one of your favorite films, like, you know, whenever, what was it? Uh, whenever hell's full, like, you know, the dead are going to walk the earth. Like, or like what, what's the exact quote? Uh, when there's uh, when there's no room in hell, no, the when devil, there's no yeah. room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. It's almost like this, like Donna's when dead. When there's no more, like when there's no more room for you know, because there's too much hate. Now it's just coming, you know. Like that's what I feel like this is. It, it it brings you to mind that if you can't avoid how dark your heart can be, just know that somebody else is watching you too. Because yeah. they know the darkness that ex- it, like if Zix exists in your heart, like this episode exploits the the, the darkness that what the like I mean it is a Twilight Zone, but they exploit the 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 darkness that is in everybody's heart. Just don't be that person, like the townsfolk. The townsfolk, you could be the townsfolk because he was a murderer. Yeah, but like they were also aware the guy was a clansman. You know, and it's like, but they wanted to see him die for killing a Klansman. Like, what's that say? What's right. that say? Like, well, I'm not, the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but this, like, they, like they're, this gets, this starts to reverberate. Right. So, um, so yeah, like, so with that being said, um, do you have any other notes about the episode? Cause I want to get into a little bit about the, the origin of this one. No, let's go. Okay. Man. So, um, forgive me everybody, like through the various books I've read and, and listening to, uh, to Rod Serling's daughter's book, as I knew him, I think that was, uh, Ann Serling who, who wrote that. Um, she talks a little bit about like his frustrations of trying to get messages across in media and how, like when he's trying to make statements and then, the, then like, you know, the advertisers and the, the powers that be keep trying to mute his message and like water it down. Um, so he, Serling, after after his time in the war, when he came back and was in college, um, he kind of was dealing with some PTSD and some other things, too. And that's all a whole nother thing. But uh, people talked about how, like, um, he really didn't have a problem with you unless you you didn't go to the barber in town that also cut the hair of, of color people. Uh, if you went to, like, the other barber, he was pissed off at you. And he's like, and if you ate anywhere else other than this one particular place that had a lunch counter that would seat everybody, he was done with you, too. Cause it was like, basically like you guys are actively making a decision that's holding other people down. You're just get out of my face. So he had this, he's had this like just frustration and, and anger towards bigotry and racism and hatred. Right. So he's had this for a while. Um, so, uh, in Emmett Till, uh, this case, if you guys go and look this up, there's a huge write up on the Wikipedia about it. Uh, this this young uh, African American man was uh, was killed on in August of uh, 1955. Terry, are you familiar at all with some of this? I'm going to go through a couple of beats. There's way more in here than to really dig into I, right now. I need you to tell me and okay. the audience. Okay, great. So he was actually from Chicago and was uh, headed south in the summer uh, to uh, Mississippi to visit some family there. Um, he spoke to 21-year-old Carol Bryant, Carolyn Bryant, the white married proprietor of a small grocery store there. Although what happened at the store is a matter of dispute. Uh, Till was accused of flirting with or whistling at Bryant. So because of this, like he, it was like some unspoken rule. Uh, uh, what was it? Some of um, Bryant's uh, like family, I think. Um, a couple of guys came like the, later that night and they pulled him away and they, um, they beat him. Like, and they were just going to, they were going to leave him. They were just going to beat him and like teach him a lesson. But, um, because he was from the North and actually, you know, had a sense of, of self value, uh, yelled at them and said, you know, I'm, I'm just the same as you. I'm like, I'm, I'm better than you. Like, you know, and he started saying some other things too. So they, they, uh, they beat him repeatedly so hard and then they shot him and then dumped his body in a river. Um, they, it was, they covered his body with like a fan blade, uh, also tied with some barbed wire like horrific, right? I'm not even getting into like how how bad it was, right? So when this happened, uh, word got to his family in Chicago and they're like, we we want that body. 
So they got the body. His mother got the body uh, because in Mississippi, they were trying to give it a real quick burial. So no one saw the extent of the damages to this kid. Um, so she got the body and actually made it a point in Chicago to have an open casket funeral. And the pictures are on the Wikipedia. It, it's just his, the, 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 what's in that casket's unrecognizable as a person, uh, how badly they beat him and shot him. And then, you know, threw him in the water and let his body like get waterlogged. Right. So when they went, they went to arrest the people involved, the trial only lasted a week, I think. Uh, and then, uh, whenever the whole all white jury returned a verdict in 67 minutes, one of the jurors and all the guys were found not guilty, by the way, that one of them said that the, the, the thing would have been faster, but we had, we drank soda pop, like the, the, the verdict would have come out faster, but we took a drink of soda. Um, this kind of started this big, like outrage across the country because of her ability to show her son and like how much of a kangaroo court this, this thing was. And then also some of the direct statements, the men involved, what they went on record saying about what they did to this boy. Uh, here's one quote uh, from one of the people that killed this kid. He said, what else could I do? He thought he was as good as any white man. And that's not even the worst of it. Like I can't, like there's some things in here that I can't, I'm not going to read out loud. Uh, uh, and I'm not trying to soften the edges of the story because it's an absolute nightmare. But so Surly wanted, he wrote a, a story called a town called dust. That was about, um, like the, the hanging of a kid, uh, or like something to the effect of like a, a person of color was going to be, uh, hung and, uh, the townspeople, you know, it was this big, like big message that he wrote that he was passionate about. And it kept getting cut down because of the color of the people, the time frame, all this stuff. Um, so he, he eventually released like a muted version of it. And there's even a, a kind of version of it called a, it's a, the episode called dust. That's in the twilight zone season three. Um, that's kind of the same thing, but he, he felt like he was, um, not Bale Gates point across because if you start changing like races and things, you start just taking the potency out and like you're, you're losing the message. So I think with this one, he had in his own way, he had to make it a white guy getting killed. But like the way he went in about saying he killed a Klansman that was referred to as the white knight, like, um, you know, that this was what was on his head. Like he just like, he's just tired of like all of all the garbage all around, you know, and the Emmett Till case was something that affected him greatly, which I'm had this one on another season. I'm sure he would have wrote something in response to the Kitty Genovese thing that we talked about a couple of weeks ago where people did nothing as that girl got murdered. So yeah, this was like one of those big lightning rod moments for him of where he never forgot this. And it just, it just pissed him off no matter what, which rightfully so. And, and it's a, it's a real bummer that Rod didn't get to speak to a lot of different subjects and like how they were handled throughout the series because he was dampered. And the, I mean, a lot of these stories were written during the sixties. A lot of shit happened during the sixties. A lot of injustice happened during the sixties. It shouldn't have happened that way. Somebody should have been able to speak about this. Well, and that's why he used, he started using science fiction and that's was the whole thing. He's like, if I do something in the parrot, it's like, if we set this a thousand years in the future and still have the same story, people like it'll be let through. So he was never really like, he loved reading science fiction. He never felt like he was one of those guys to write it. Uh, but he knew that he could hang the clothes on it, right, to get the points across. And with this, other than the you know the unexplained darkness, like which I mean, granted, it, it is you know throughout the entire episode, and, it, and it's the it's the button on the end of this thing. This is a straight drama and like people's guilt, and you know, but it's a Twilight Zone episode, so Friday night people are gonna sit down and watch this, and then you know this is you know what sixty five, like you know sixty four, sixty four. Sorry, uh, it's like. Take a look outside. Shit's getting crazy, you know, yeah. and, and like things are starting to heat up still. And it's like, you know, it, it Jordan Peele. Don't forget yeah. about Jordan Peele. Yeah. He approached the, the whole the whole series and was able to adapt some of the stories and able to take the subject matter, which I mean, Rod Serling made all of this stuff relevant. He made you as a viewer a little bit more in touch with things that were going on in the outside world. Even if you weren't watching the news, these things are relevant. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, you mentioned uh, you know Jordan Peele. Like, there's he they didn't read he didn't do a take on this. However, uh, the the idea of race and hatred and everything was prevalent throughout a lot of the CBS or sorry Paramount Plus run. And I would recommend everybody go back and watch the season one episode called um, uh, Replay. Please That's watch the, all of it. Yeah. Jordan Peele did a magnificent job. Yeah. The the replay episode, though, is the one with uh, the mom and the son trying to get to the college, and the white cop keeps pulling them over, like, and they have a camera that can reverse time, and it's like that's the hook of the episode, but like, just the ugh, the menace and the the fear there, it's it's palpable, and it's like something to consider because that part of that story is like that's the real world. The camera's the magic part. You know, and with this, it's like, you know, the perpetual darkness and the literal darkness getting darker. Like, that's the magic part. The rest of this, it ain't no science fiction. It's just, you know, it's human nature. And and, and that's with Serling's um, final words with this episode, which we're going to play that at the, the end here because I don't normally always play his end commentary. But he just he just sounds like ready to like just spit nails at the end of it. And it's like with this, um, I know we go back to um, he's alive. Uh, we go back to, um, in his de- image and yeah, you know, in his image, uh, 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 deaths had revisited. Yeah. Like there's a lot of these, it's like, they come out swinging and it's like, just, you know, uh, take a note. Like these, I mean, these are soapboxes, but rightfully so, you know, and I'm not in any authority to speak about like, this is the good, the good, important one, but my God, like, again, this, this episode 60 years old, um, last year at this time, you know, we're in the middle of like the, the George Floyd, you know, and the beginnings of that and like all the different protests that were going on. And that's still not done. It should not be done in terms of people wanting change and reform, but it's like, it's 60 years past this. It's like, you know, you would always hope every time we look, we think of the future, I want flying cars and like Star Trek future where it's relatively peaceful at times. Like not people learning about empathy. Not having that, meaning that they already know about it. Like having like, oh, oh, we are. Oh, that's a default setting as opposed to F you. I got to flip that switch. I'm sorry. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all. Like, uh, you know, fellow humans. Yeah. What what a pronounced or (laughs) profound, uh, you know, idea. Yeah. I just, whatever. Um, So that's, this is just, it's a gut punch of an episode in the sense of like, it's just, it reminds you, right? Like it's, you Every one of us were that per- we're, we're in that crowd watching that man get hung. Let's be honest, you know, that, right. and that's the point. Uh, that's what Sterling's trying to say. Like we're we're all those people, and and it's, and it's kind of a bummer that Jagger has to explain himself. That's the thing. Like that's the 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 biggest thing for me at the end of the episode. I'm like, how how do you perceive uh, Reverend Anderson? Yeah, as his uh, explanation for. Jagger, do you think that Jagger is justified at the exact moment? I, and how I would, he explains it. I mean, for me, how it's like, he does. I, I think I think having Jagger be um, complicated in the sense of like he would fight for a cause, but you know, like you know, damn, it feels good to punch a Nazi type of thing. Like to like you, you're doing the right thing, but you're you shouldn't. I guess you shouldn't take enjoyment out of taking another life, but he did because he he had just as much hatred for that man as that man had for like, yeah, it's like you, you can't, I guess you can't judge levels of hatred. Right. But, I, I but would like, yeah. Explanation. I would have, I would have, if he would have said to uh, Anderson, like, I love you more than I love that man. You know, like yeah. that kind of like that kind of like putting it down on the ground. I don't, give a shit about that person because he didn't give a shit about you. Yeah. I mean, if it had been more like if Andrews, like, I, but I also think Sterling was trying to avoid like the, the one person given the big lesson, even though Anderson does say, I think this is all vomited out. Like even that though, it's like, he is still, you know, he was complicit watching it too. Like in a way, I mean, he, I mean, I don't know what he could have done to affect the outcome, but he still watched a man die. And he was, and he was still trying to provide this guy comfort and trying somehow to like save his soul. So was that also kind of selfish too, where it's like, I, you know, like, I don't know, like I'm, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Um, but I think, I think Sterling wanted to put everybody to even keel of like, you're all, you're all like, you all all deserve barely edible eggs, you know, like whatever it is. (laughs) Right. Like just, um, because I think if you would have had Jagger be like the, not, not completely innocent, but like completely justified again, he shot a clan person, a clan, clans member. I'm, I'm hundred percent team Jagger no matter what, but 
you know, if it had been like, who among you would have not done that? It's like, I, I don't need him to give that, like his anger at them. Like where he's like, you know, he's like, you're getting what you want, but I'm not going to dance for you. Like that's, that that's a very human reaction. I, I it's just, this is a messy episode, but it's messy. It, it's, you know, it, in the right it, way, because it, yeah, uh, messy in the sense of like human, the human element, not the writing. Uh, it's just, it's a lot to get into and it's worthy of discussion. And I think that was the point. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. I, and I don't feel any compensantly like that's not what, the right word. What's the complacency? Complacency. Uh, there yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, uh, for the, the reverend here. Yeah. Like, because he is trying to find balance. Like, especially, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the one dude, the guy who's working for the paper, like, oh, trying to seek value and everything. It's like, dude. You're going to hang somebody either way. Like, yeah. why are you talking to me? Like, Pierce makes the point. It was like, you know, like, you're barely hanging on. It's like, it's like, I'm surprised someone didn't say, well, this will sell some papers. Like, I'm surprised that didn't come across. It, right. But it's bullshit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. I mean, I, again, you know, like we had Coates. He was trying to re, uh, seek reelection for his uh, sheriff position and that. Uh, we got the guy who is already going for the paper again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's something that's unexplained, and well, because we're explaining it to you now. Yeah, uh, but even Pierce was like, they said that Pierce wanted to be loved, right? And right like, on the right side of things, whatever that meant. Be, right? be so, yeah. the man, but he was also going to coach and like uh, going right to his throat. And then coach is like, "I'm gonna spread you over this." Yeah, like, I was I, like, "Oh, that was what? a great line." He's like, "I'll spread Get you all. Yeah, right. but, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, nobody hears without fault. I think there's a lot here. It's one of those ones where, especially when we get to Serling's uh, ending here. You know, he's like, like, take a look in the mirror. And that's, and I think, I, I know we're now on the last 10 of the series, right. but this is a good, like, um, like it's, it's always good to get that reminder. And it's all, and if we got Sterling, you know, like nudging us again, I, I'm glad that we, I'm glad, I like, I don't want episodes to make me feel bad, which this one does, but it's by design. I, but I'm gl- always glad that we get like, we, we've got at least one more good, important with capital I Serling episode. Cause I, I didn't know what I was coming into this first time I watched it. So this was, you know, it's a hell of a thing. Really? This is a really important episode. And yeah. you have to, you have to pay attention to the world around you. And I think this, this episode really exemplifies people that don't really understand what is going on around them and don't pay attention to the evidence. Yeah, why people or, feel or a certain or way? Turn a blind eye, or they just yeah. you know whatever. So, all right, uh, yeah, we've walled enough in this. Let's just uh, let's just get to that twist. That we're all terrible and the world got darker. I'm going to give that a zero because that's um, we 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 we're sixty years past this, and uh, I don't know if the world's gotten any brighter or not. <laughs> I guess I have to give it a one by default, one out of five, but it's like, it's the smallest one. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah. One, one, one. It is. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the uh, overall statement here. It's uh, going to be the one. Yeah. There's no twist. It's just all, it's all, there is no twist yeah. here because uh, most, most, well, I don't want to say most because I, I'm, I don't want to put people in this, like this a uh, little pouch of like scumbagus <laughs> scumbag pouch. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, uh, but there's a lot of scumbags. That was my band that I had years ago. Scumbag, scumbag pouch. Yeah. That's what punk band. No, actually oh, that's what, that's what ass. I call. Uh, that's what I call Pierce's lip. That's a scumbag what? pouch. That's it. That's where he keeps all the chaw. That's a scumbag uh, pouch. Is that on Spotify? I don't know. Anyway, right. so. But yeah, like there's a lot of, there, there's a lot to take away from this. Yeah. Don't be that scumbag. Yeah, so there we go. So that's going to do it for our discussion about I Am the Night, Color Me Black. Uh, before we talk about what we're doing next, uh, you guys can find us on Facebook at Strange Highways Podcast. Uh, you can email us directly at strangehighwayspodcast.gmail.com. Uh, wherever you find your uh, podcast, rate and review us. And Terry, where else are we? We are on Instagram. Please check us out. Please follow us. Please. Like please. At, around here uh, uh, to the store. Yeah, like in person, like, like stalk make, us. Please. Yeah, make direct eye contact. Make um, and like Paul says every time, um, go to where you can review the podcast. Give us a like. Give us a review. I mean, if, even if you do a Google search, you will find us. But if you like this episode, if you like the subject content, um, watch Lovecraft Country. Lovecraft yes, Country I, is so a, good. It's a good call. I I watched the first episode. I need to like to run the series. 
Uh, that one, I know you you uh, read the book and saw the series. Um, there's that Amazon Prime series, Them, that I want to check out. I'm totally excited about that. Yeah, well. I mean, it's available now. I haven't had a chance to see if that. If you dig yeah. this subject, if you dig the, dig the content, please watch either one of those series. I, I can't. I can't wait for them. Um, I can't wait for you to watch Love I know. Country. I, I, that's, I was too the busy book watching. Was cool. uh, I was the watching series. Dirty Harry movies. That was a different message. Yeah. yeah, yeah anyway, uh, so. The series of Lovecraft Country is amazing. Please okay. dive into that, especially if you love this subject matter. Cool. All right. So, all right. Next episode we're going to get into is called Sounds and, Sil- Sounds and Silences. Uh, let Mr. Sterling here tease it. And now, Mr. Sterling. Next time out, we bring you a few decibels of sound in a bizarre opus about a man who breaks eardrums for a living. We welcome to the program two fine talents, Mr. John MacGyver and Miss Penny Singleton, who will prove the following point, namely that too much of a good thing can have nightmarish results and that all things are not necessarily as they meet the eye or the ear. On the Twilight Zone next, Sounds and Silences. All right. I, th- hopefully this is a fun one. Like, uh, watch, watch, it's going to be even like even darker in terms of like social commentary. I don't know. But all right. Yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, next week, Sounds and Silences. Have a good week. Have a safe week. Um, you know, like just pay attention and, and try to like, try to be a good person and try to leave the world a better place than you found it. Like that, that sounds all hokey, but that's how I feel right now. Explore something outside of the darkness of your heart. <laughs> here in the United States and elsewhere. At 2 o'clock this afternoon, a dark cloud suddenly appeared over a street in Dallas, Texas. The mayor of West Berlin verified the fact that a rectangular area over the Berlin Wall has suddenly gone dark. In Budapest, European newspaper men passed over censorship an article about several square blocks, including a political prison, which was suddenly thrown into darkness early this morning. In Birmingham, Alabama... An area in Shanghai, the entire northern section of Vietnam, a section of Chicago, Illinois. The darkness continues to make itself known. A sickness known as hate. Not a virus, not a microbe, not a germ. But a sickness nonetheless. Highly contagious, deadly in its effects. Don't look for it in the twilight zone. Look for it in the mirror. Look for it before the light goes out altogether. (laughs) 